Hello and welcome to Desi Sportscast. And uh, can I take this opportunity to wish all of those listeners celebrating Diwali a very happy Diwali from all of us here. Hope you have a fantastic time. Um, today uh, we're going to do a podcast on uh, cricket and it's a very warm welcome back to the friend and uh, a friend of the show, uh, journalist uh, Narayan. And how are you Narayan today? Uh, hi Bharat, I'm good. How are you? And happy Diwali. Thank you and the same to you my friend. Yeah, really good. Thank you. Um, so today I thought we'd do a quick re- review of the uh, Freedom Trophy. Uh, the recent series between South Africa and India. Um, just how how did you how how would you summarize that series? Okay, so uh, before I begin, like, can we can I just rewind to the podcast that we did before the uh, series began? I think I predicted a three nil win to India. I I didn't want to bring that up, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so a bit of. Self appreciation there from my side. <laughs> it's called knowledge and experience. <laughs> no, no, I mean, it is pretty apparent for me that, I mean, South Africa won last five days against India, and if there is a result, India are going to win the match. So it, it, it didn't require much thought in hindsight. So, uh, I mean, uh, to uh, kind of review the series, I believe South Africa didn't challenge India in any department, be it batting, bowling, or even fielding. I mean, one of the great strengths of the South African sites that we used to see when we were growing up was this fielding. I mean, now what happened is that even the Indian fielding has gone up several notches for the South Africans. So, uh, I mean, uh, as an Indian fan, it's good to see this. But as a cricket fan, it's very sad to see a great team like South Africa uh, coming to this state. I don't know whether they will uh, improve in the re- near future. Some structural changes have to be done to achieve that. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to say, I, I, uh, you did predict the 3-0 win. Um, I was expecting a bit more from the South Africans. I was very disappointed with them. Uh, do you think it's the weakest <laughs> South African we've ever had in the recent times? Absolutely, absolutely. In 2015, also, they lost the series 3-0, the four, the four test series, they lost 3-0. But at that point, one thing they could have taken heart in is that the pitchers were extreme to an extent. The wicket in Nagpur especially was a ranked turner. I mean, no team could have... Uh, stood a chance against India on such a wicket. But this time around, the pitchers played better. They were not, uh, in any sense, ranked turners. And they offered assistance for seamers. And if batsmen were willing to spend time, they could actually uh, play strokes and get runs. It's not like they have to uh, wait and grind runs. I mean, we, we, we saw players like Roy Sharma and Virat Kohli, Mayank Agarwal, Ajin Kerahane. They all scored at a quick rate. And in South Africa, when they batted well in Vizag, uh, Elgar and Decock, they scored quick runs. That means the wickets were actually really good. The balls were coming onto the bat and it offered some help for the steamers. So, all in all, I would say that India completely outplayed the South Africans this time, uh, pa- partly due to their superiority in every department and mainly due to the what we call uh, 
uh, I don't know. I mean, very lackluster performance from the South Africans. I mean, they didn't offer any fight. Uh, I don't know whether they were after the uh, limited overs. I think they wanted to get back to South Africa very quickly. Yeah, that's what I was. Especially in the last uh, Test match, it just looked like they just wanted to go back home, uh, just to finish on yeah. South Africa. I mean, to lose by an innings. Uh, it's the first time they've lost by an innings in consecutive test matches since 1935-36. So you can see uh, how poor this team was. But enough of South Africa. I mean, they've got a lot of problems, uh, which is unfortunate because we all want a good, tough South African team. That's what we're used to. Um, Mm. About India. um, I mean, this was their, what, 12th or 11th? consecutive win at home in in mm. the series and that's some re- i mean that is a record now um yeah. what did you make of them i mean d- d- like you said earlier we outplayed south africa in every single uh, department uh, but incredible mm-hmm. performance by the batsmen as well yeah i mean I, in fact a record 11 successive test series win at home so uh, they overtook uh, the record uh, jointly held by india and australia earlier uh, Australia had uh, 10 victories on the trot two times. So, I mean, under Virat Kohli, now India have become unbeatable at home. That's a, a given thing. So, mm, the major, uh, what we call the major advantage that India have over other teams now is that uh, they are no longer a team that win with just their spinners. I mean, the pace bowling attack is what won them, won them the last two matches, if you look at it. Mm, uh, yeah, absolutely. The Pacers had 26 wickets in the series and at an average of 17.5. I mean, if you compare that to the South African bowlers, the South African Pacers, uh, including Rabada, took 10 wickets in the series at an average of 70.2. And their spinner didn't come come into the picture at all. Kesho Maharaj, so he came into the series with a reputation, but uh, that he couldn't do anything to enhance that reputation in the series. So uh, the mean, pace attack, and if you look at it, it is without Jaspreet Bumrah, the premier fast bowler in the world. Absolutely. That they've done. Yeah, I mean, yeah. When, you, when you look at that unit and you see Mohamed Shami, uh, Ishant, Umesh, mm. uh, Bumrah, mm. Bowie even, mm. it's a formidable um, unit that can play mm. at home and abroad. It's got it's got a lot of potential. That I mean, it's not potential now. They are bowling uh, incredibly well. But also with a spin attack, it was good to see Ashwin back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is something that we discussed yeah. in the last podcast, right? So I'm glad, we all uh, wanted Ashwin come back and be the number one spinner and he did that, right? Absolutely. He, well, We knew that uh, he needed to be back in the squad. I'm glad the selectors were listening to this podcast and brought yeah. him and Sahar back because <laughs> I thought Sahar had a yeah. good, good series in, uh, behind the wickets as well. Absolutely. He took, up, took some screamers behind the wicket and uh, I mean, if you look at that discussion online, all the cricket people were saying that uh, when he takes a catch, they're saying it's the best catch by him. And when he takes another one, they're saying that it's better than the previous one. So you can imagine that uh, the kind of euphoria that he was creating just uh, with his glove work. And the team management deserves a credit for sticking with Saha as a wicketkeeper. Uh, because I have nothing against Rishabh Pan, but in Indian conditions, what Saha has 
done for Virat Kohli's team, I think he deserved to be persisted with. And he, and yeah, as a batsman, he was not ne- not even needed. Every innings, yeah. uh, they had they they got into a position of comfort and they could declare before he he was asked to bat. Yeah. So you cannot judge him based on his batting. On his wicket keeping alone, I think he he has proven the team management right. Um, just going back to our podcast when we were previewing the series, um, I know mm-hmm. that there was a warm up match going on live, and uh, Rohit got ducks. Um, <laughs> in the warm-up game, but he yeah, he got a deck. Yeah. Uh, what a performance by him as an opener! A uh, lot, lot of mixed feelings at the start that he he got mm. that slot, uh, but he mm. repaid that faith incredibly well. What mm. a series for him! What a year for him! Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Five twenty-nine runs, three centuries, and in the first test, two two tons in the same test match. That too in the first test match that he's been promoted to open the batting, like. Uh, I mean, if you ask him what is pressure, I don't know what his answer will be. Like, there's it's completely uh, dismantled the idea of pressure in a situation like that. And in the last test match, a double century also. And if you look at it, he uh, hit 19 sixes in the three test matches. So it was one day form. Yeah, but he's had a uh, yeah. Go on, sorry. Sorry, I mean, that's the thing about uh, Rohit. I mean, a lot of people compare him with uh, Virendra Sevak, saying that mm. a middle-order batsman has been promoted to open the batting and he's uh, going at a, uh, a terrific strike rate and putting the ballers in the pressure. I mean, the thing that is different with Rohit Sarma, what I've felt with when you compare him with Virendra Sevak, is that Sevak was more of a boundary hitter. It's not like he didn't hit sixes. If you look at his game, uh, he hit boundaries through the offside uh, during the initial overs, and that set, uh, sets his innings up. Mm. And when the spinners come, he attacks them and hits them for sixes, but not as many as Rohit Sharma does. But with Rohit Sharma, you cannot ball short to him. Like Virendra Sehwag, the seamers could have attacked his leg stump. Like uh, he, they could have tried to strangle him and bowl that uh, difficult length onto his ribcage, have two uh, fielders behind on the leg side, uh, two fielders uh, behind square on the leg side. But with Rohit Sharma, you cannot do that. Even if the seamers, if their plan is outside the off-stamp is work, not working, they cannot go to a uh, slightly middle, middle and leg line bowling sort with uh, fielders behind square. He would punish you all day. Like whether it's in India, whether it's in a bouncy track in South Africa or in Australia, he's so good against the short ball that he could pull hook, and he, he could even uh, play in front of square all the short ball. So that's some that's a major difference that Virendra Sehwag and Rohit Sharma has, I believe. I mean, Sehwag will will any day score at a faster rate because he could score boundaries through. Uh, at a faster rate, at a better pace than anyone else in the world. So, uh, there is no doubt in my mind that uh, Rahul Sarma could be a long-term opener because the way he can put the seamers under pressure. Yeah, absolutely. He's got the all-round game. And um, I know you said about not playing as quick as uh, Viru, but um, Rohit is... um, Once he gets going, the runs start coming. So, um, 
incredible yeah. year for him. He had a brilliant World Cup. I'm, I'm really happy for him that he's made it yeah. into the test team and made such a big impact. Yeah. He, uh, really yeah, so- incredible batting lineup. We've always had that, but he's building up to another similar one with Rohit, uh, Mayank, mm-hmm. uh, Virat, uh, Pujara, Rahane. And then we've got the bowling attack with the spinners and um, the pace attack we've just mentioned. So things are looking very good and we quite rightly are miles ahead in the World Test Championship table. And, yeah, um, 240 points, in fact. Yeah, so, uh, and maximum. Got, um, played five or six and won all of them. So brilliant start. Just a quick point on somebody I wanted to talk about is um, somebody that's new to me but might not be to you is uh, Nadim. Um, who was brought into the last test match. Um, mm-hmm. Were you surprised by that selection? Or is he... I know he's played a lot of cricket. Um, uh, he's a 30-year-old from... Uh, he's played um, for India A. But were you surprised by that selection? Uh, to be honest, for that uh, test match, I was a bit surprised. But then, again, thinking about his, it's his hometown. He comes from Ranchi. He plays for Jharkhand. So, uh, it's not like he didn't deserve to be picked. I mean... Uh, Shabazz Nadim uh, deserves to be picked any day in the India team because because of his performance in the first class level. So he played 104 first class matches uh, before he got a test ma- test match. I mean, only three or four players in Indian Test cricket history played more number of first class matches before they played their first test match. So that shows his value. And even in this test match, he proved that he proved the mm, yeah. selection team management that he's good enough and he belongs uh, at this level. I mean, the one good thing about Shabazz Nadim that I've noticed is that uh, I've covered a few matches. I mean, not many, like maybe a two, three matches that he played uh, for Jharkhand. He's one of the very uh, unassuming guys. Like he is always ready for a ch- uh, chat after the match. Whenever we approach him, uh, after a day's play, he's always ready to talk. It's not like he wants to talk to the media to push his case. I mean, he's just ready to talk to you as a friend. He's always uh, smiling. And whenever we... Uh, I mean, uh, I remember I covered a first-class match between uh, Kerala and Jharkhand in 2015. And Shabazz Nadim took them to victory on the last day, taking seven wickets, I think in the second inning. So, uh, that time I uh, had a chat with him after the match. Then I uh, got his number and a few months later, I just texted him and he texted me back. I mean, very few Indian cricketers actually do that. I mean, he actually remembers a press person that he met uh, at some random venue wow. and he shows the ability to respond to you. Wow. I mean, he may not anything from me but he does that very few Indian cricketers actually do that even the uh, up and coming many may not be willing to do that so that's the kind of uh, person Shabas Nadim is so we're very happy for him hopefully he will get a longer run but as we say the Bangladesh test series is not not there anymore right I'll come back to that in a second Uh, but uh, yeah I'm uh, I'm glad you shared that story about uh, Shabas that is really heartwarming and uh, all the more, um, I'm glad that he got this uh, call up in his home ground and um, played really, really well. Yeah. So that was really good. Um, just moving on, I mean, just to round up, up 
the Indian team now hold what we used to call rubbers against every single team now, apart from mm-hmm. England, it is some achievement by our test team. So, um, and uh, we've got a decent uh, home series uh, coming up ahead now against Bangladesh. Um, mm-hmm. So, any surprises in the squads for you? In the test squad, like we said, uh, Nadim didn't get picked, but it's not a surprise. Nadim came into the picture just for the la- that one test match. It was more or less expected that uh, they will uh, continue with the same Winning squad. Uh, yeah. Jan Kuldeep will be the spinners for the Bangladesh series. So, there is no surprises for the test matches. And for the T20s, it's not surprising, but it's a good thing that uh, a Kerala player has come into the picture Sanju Samson is uh, quite in the squad. Well. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, quite he, rightly. He, did, he deserves to be there. Him and uh, Shivam Dubey uh, were the two. Shivam Dubey. And they've been played there. They're the two new faces. Uh, so, Dubey is completely new. He hasn't played for India yet. Uh, Samson played one T20I four years back uh, against Zimbabwe. But it's been a long wait for him. Mm. And his recent performances in the Vijay Hazare Trophy where he uh, recorded the highest listed domestic score by an Indian batsman, uh, uh, 212. Yeah, and it should be another fairly comfortable um, home series for India. So uh, it's something that we said at the start that the home home season looks fairly straightforward. I think the real test will be when we go to New Zealand. So looking yeah. forward to that series. Um, should be good. Hopefully it's on due and um, Shivan will get a, a run out for India. Uh, they deserve yeah. it. Hopefully, um, hopefully they get a good one game. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. It'll be good to see how they perform. Um, just moving out away from the series, I just wanted to take a couple of your opinion on a couple of things. Uh, the first one was um, Dada becoming BCCI president. Um, what's your mm-hmm. what's your take on that? Uh, Ganguly, uh, <laughs> it is uh, to be honest, uh, not many expected Ganguly to become president. Uh, there were rumors early on that he would become president, but then Brijesh Patel mm. uh, yeah. was tipped to become the president. But on the last day, when uh, some uh, political maneuvering happened behind the scenes and suddenly uh, Ganguly became the president and a, a new set of office bearers came in with him. Uh, the secretary, the uh, son of uh, one of the most powerful ministers in India. Amit Shah, so, yeah. Jai Shah. Uh, Amit Shah's son, Jai Shah. So you can imagine how inter cricket and politics were. He's in India and there is no escaping that fact. Yeah. And I mean, uh, yeah. my opinion is, I mean, I've always thought Indian sports was too political. I mean, when I'm from outside, you hear politicians become mm-hmm. presidents and things like that. So that side of me is happy that a former Indian captain, a very successful Indian captain, has become mm-hmm. president. So hopefully he'll bring some of that uh, knowledge and experience to the uh, yeah. leadership. Um and I know he's had a stint as uh, president of Bengal Cricket Association, so he's got a bit of an inkling into the politics of BCCI and what happens. Uh, but mm-hmm. I wasn't too disappointed to see him. Um, it's something that I want in other federations, you know, where former internationals lead. It doesn't mean you automatically become a good uh, administrator, but, um, you know, hopefully they'll take the, uh, um, you know, what a player needs to uh, as 
the forefront of what they do as a president. So hopefully we'll see good changes. So we'll see how Dada gets on in the ICC meetings and as a leader, and we'll see if there's any major changes coming up. But um, that's a big combination with uh, Dada, Virat, and Ravi. Uh, so yeah, big uh, big names in all three positions. Um, the other thing, uh, last thing I want to mention today is something that I actually agree on is something Virat mentioned that we should have five test grounds uh, like mm-hmm. other countries. So in England, we know there's going to be Trent Bridge, Lords, uh, Oval, Edgebaston, um, Manchester and Headingley. Australia's got the mm. same. What do you think of that idea? Mm. I have mixed feelings about it uh, because five test centres... Uh, on the surface level, it's a good idea if you look at it. Uh, you, you look at the Australian calendar, they mm. have that matches at fixed venues and you will get good crowds in. So, uh, that's a good idea. But is, is it really the problem with the uh, test centers or, uh, or like, I mean, the traditional test venues uh, only do, only... Are you uh, suggesting that only they will attract good crowds? I am not sure about that because in 2016, we had a test match in indoor uh, against New Zealand and it was widely, uh, I mean, attended by a large chunk of crowds. So what happened in that test match was it was played at a venue uh, close to the heart of the city. So in many of the test matches, uh, test match venues like Pune uh, or Ranchi, it's not close to the city centre. So people have to make an extra effort to reach the venue. Yeah. So that could be a problem uh, for the poor reception at the uh, all these uh, new test centres. Uh, but restricting it to five uh, venues, it's an idea that could be tried out. I mean, even Kumble suggested something like... Uh, uh, bringing back the idea of Pongal test. I mean, in the 80s and 90s, we had Pongal test in Chennai or a Diwali test in some other center. I mean, we had test matches on festival days or festival weeks at uh, different centers in India. Kumble suggested an idea of bringing that tradition back. That's a good uh, idea. Yeah, uh, yeah, but I don't know whether it's practical and I don't know whether the BCCI or the state associations, whether they will be willing to abide to that idea. It's just the captain's uh, feedback or the captain's thought, uh, thought uh, thinking about uh, the whole process. But I think uh, the, the state associations especially uh, would want to host maximum matches as they could, even if it's a test match or it's a one day. So they would want to they wouldn't want to suddenly lose their test right. Like a, if you say Pune or a Ranchi or a Nindor or a Kanpur or a Vizag, they don't want to suddenly not become a test match center. Mm-hmm. No, so I, I don't think it will, it will get passed in the BCCA meeting. So the captain has got a lot of powers, but I don't think this idea he couldn't uh, uh, get, get it to pass in the BCCA meeting. Um, in, in many ways, I'm a bit of a traditionalist, and I know back in the day, India used to have, you know, set test venues. So um, I'm quite partial to that idea, but I take fully on board what you're saying. Uh, but um, hopefully, you know, we'll get some sort of balance. But I like the idea of 
regular test grounds like we do in England and uh, they do in Australia and New Zealand, uh, but New Zealand's a different case, it's a much smaller country. Uh, but we'll see how that one goes. Like you say, Virat's got quite a bit of power, so we'll see if we can push through this one. Uh, because some of the test centres are quite obvious, which uh, Mumbai, Kolkata, Chennai, Delhi, maybe Amdawad because of the new stadium, but uh, there's a lot to uh, uh, work around politics and what have you, the powers of the state association. So we'll see how that one plays out. But um, yeah. fantastic series against Australia. You called it right at the start, 3-0, comfortable. Um, yeah. Disappointed with the South Africans, especially at the end, when I think they yeah. were just looking I mean, I'm, the I'm, if, if I can just add one more thing, I'm more disappointed with the way they have received the result. Like, I mean, you must have heard about the comments by Dean Elgar and Pat yes. Elgar was at one point criticizing the hotels food. I mean... <laughs> Take a break, man. I mean, this is not uh, the 90s when exactly. or the 80s when you could uh, uh, com- complain about the hotels in India. I mean, the BCCA, whatever you might say about the organization, they put up the put the players up in the best hotels possible in every city. And India, it's it's no longer a country where you don't have good facilities. Oh no, I, I just it's still a that poor one. country, but it's not like uh, the, uh, there is no good hotels in India anymore. No, so if, the cricketers if, are the people who have taken care of the best. So you cannot complain about that aspect of, of the two. No. And about Faf, uh, he's talking about they declared late on second day and we lose three wickets uh, by the time, by close of play on second day every match. It's a uh, it happened every match. So I mean that's uh, that. That's because of you not being able to bowl them out in the first uh, five sessions, right? That you have to bat uh, last, bat second, or bat uh, very late in the second day. So, I mean, it's completely up to the South Africans and they're kind of trying to find excuses. And if the captain starts trying to find excuses, I mean, the whole team will only do that. I think that just reflects really? where South African cricket is um, when they mm-hmm. where they talk, start talking about stuff, things that are not related to cricket and conditions mm-hmm. and hotels and accommodation. That is no excuse whatsoever. I mean, every single place that has a international game has a five star venue. Uh, teams have now enough money to bring in their own chefs if they want. So no, they, and the stadiums are world class now in India and pretty much everywhere. So no, I didn't want to raise that one for that reason. I don't. It's 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 just the way they've had a really poor series and they're not in a good place as a cricketing nation. So a lot of pressure on South Africa to change. But on the flip side, it, things are looking very very good for India and they've got a good series against Bangladesh coming up. Should be another two nil. I'm going to predict that one. <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see that. We'll, we'll look forward to. Uh, watching that, especially the T20s and seeing some of the couple of new players. But uh, Narayanan, absolutely fantastic speaking to you today uh, to cover this series. Um, I really appreciate your time. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Bharat. Thank, once again, thank you for having me. I mean, it's a pleasure talking to you. I mean, you, you must have watched more of the series than me by the looks of it. Well, uh, it's... We watch it as much as we can. We get we're lucky enough. We get live coverage here, and we get um, the highlights. So yeah, we get our fair share. Yeah. When you're India doing well, it's a pleasure to watch as well. <laughs> but uh, have a fantastic day uh, back home, and I'll speak to you soon. Sure, sure. And uh, like, congrats for the Leicester result, nine nil. Oh, 
I can't bless you for mentioning that. It's all I've been talking about. I can't believe it. Uh, we're watching live here on uh, TV, and I'm still um, have to look at the score. Was it really nine nil in uh, the Premier League? But it was an incredible performance. But uh, absolutely, yeah. So looking forward to Hopefully it. Hopefully, they can keep up the pace. Hopefully, they can keep up the pace and repeat of 2016, maybe. Oh, <laughs> well, you never know with Leicester, but we're happy where we are at the moment. Third in the EPL after 10 games. So, yeah, everything's looking really good. So, But uh, most of all, thank you for speaking to us today. Welcome, welcome, Bharat. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.